Lift up our hands all across this house. And let's love the Lord. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah, Lord. I've come into this house for one reason only, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to give you all the glory and all the praise, God. Hallelujah, Lord, what you've done for me. It is beyond anything I could ever repay or give back, God. And I give you praise today. Oh, somebody love him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Amen. I want to make a quick announcement. I want you to know that in the back with the... The greeters, we do have face masks available for each service. If you, um, if you just feel like a cough is coming on, or you just would like to have it there, we want you to know that those are available for you, and we will continue to keep those stocked in Jesus' name. Uh, not requiring anybody to do anything, but uh, I think if you, for your own safety, for others, if you feel to wear it, uh, definitely take one of those and be blessed in Jesus' wonderful name. I just want to say it is so good to be back home. Amen. When we first moved to Nevada, I saw the little tagline that says, home means Nevada. And I didn't really know what that meant until I spent time in Florida at 100 degrees, 100% humidity. It didn't matter what AC you walked into. You were sweating. You were just, it was miserable. Um, I, I do love seeing family, and that was a good part of it. But, man, it didn't matter where you went. You were just dying of heat. And uh, I, I joked with uh, Brother Brian. He went to North Carolina recently. He said, man, that humidity is just brutal. It'll, it'll kick you hard. And so it, 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 was, it was a good time. Uh, but, man, I'm glad to be home in Nevada in Jesus' wonderful name. I want to say thank you, and we'll do more of this on Wednesday, but I want to say thank you uh, to all those that just put, to put all, that, all their hands together and uh, just made church happen uh, while we were gone, and praise God. Brother Brinson stepping up and just playing, and then at last minute notice playing again today and uh, feel the presence of God, and I thank God for people that are willing to step up. And, uh, you know, it's a great deal we, we value as as a church and uh, as a pastor, we value family time and we value vacation time and all those things. And I think it's important to always focus on your values and let people know your values. And, uh, and it was quite an experience to go away and, and really for the first time that we have left, we try not to leave very often, but for the first time that we did leave, it was truly relaxing. There were so many hands being put together and so many people pitching in. There was not anything to worry about. So it was truly an opportunity uh, to enjoy family time and enjoy vacation. And so we honor this church and we honor everyone, amen, for giving us that blessing this last week. And, uh, and I pray that God blesses you all for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 feel like I got a word from the Lord for somebody. How many enjoyed the revival with uh, Brother Poindexter, Brother and Sister Poindexter? Amen. Now, you didn't know it, but I was in church with you all. We were in church with you all because of the three-hour time difference, and so it was later at night there, but we were in church, and, and we were worshiping the Lord, and man, did he evermore preach, and I uh, can't, can't wait to have him back in the, in the house of the Lord in Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, cre he created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. We're going to be skipping over to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. To dress it and to keep it. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. I'm a keeper. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm a keeper. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray that God would bless this service as he already has started to do. God, I pray that you'd bless this word, that we would grow in grace and in favor, Lord. Hallelujah. That we would take upon us the mantle of a keeper, God. In this generation, Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Praise God. Somebody give him a shout of praise. God, praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I saw all the spouses look at each other and tell them uh, very much with fire in their eyes, I'm a keeper. Amen. But I thought that would be an interesting title. I'm a keeper. During our vacation, uh, after we got done preaching for my father-in-law, we took a trip to Daytona Beach. And again, with the weather being 100 degrees, it wasn't as cool as it sounds. Uh, we thought it would be a little cool. But man, give me Tahoe any day of the week in Jesus' name. But uh, we took a, a little detour and we went to a place by the name of St. Augustine. And when we got to St. Augustine, one of the things that sticks out in there, it's a beautiful uh, little town where there's a lot of old architecture. It's one of the first uh, places they had built forts, and, and, and there's just, it's just a lot of historical value. Uh, but one thing that stuck out to me that I had to make us take a detour for was the lighthouse. There was a lighthouse there in St. Augustine, and it was my first trip in my lifetime to actually ever get to see a lighthouse up close and personal. Now, I'd seen pictures and heard stories, but uh, I, was, I was in awe. I'm just kind of a, a nerd that way. I like to see things, and I like to explore. And so I got out, and we, we took a detour and, and paid the absorbent amount of money to go into their little, their little lighthouse. Uh, but, but we got there. And I proceeded to, in the 100-degree weather with no AC, climb 220 steep steps all the way to the top. Uh, now, it was insane to climb that many stairs. I know that Brother Mark, our firefighters, they do that on a consistent basis. Uh, but no amount of training can prepare you for 100-degree weather and then indoors no, no ability to breathe, and you are walking up 220 steep steps 
It was a very high vantage point. You could look out and you could see the river behind and you could see the ocean. And uh, it was a perfectly, just beautifully placed uh, lighthouse. And uh, as I'm going through, there's all these different informationals. And, and this started to work on me as I was going through there. And I thought about this message that I had thought of uh, many years ago. And it just started to ring true to me that, that for many years, somebody was in charge of this lighthouse. And this little step that I'm taking, 220 steps, uh, one time up and one time down, I began to think as I read through each of the plaques of all the different things that the lighthouse keeper had to do on a daily basis. Being a lighthouse keeper was one of the hardest jobs over the last 100 years. Keepers worked long, grueling hours and had to be willing to put their own lives in danger in order to keep other people safe. They had to work in all kinds of weather, especially during Florida hurricanes and in other areas. There's blizzards, gales, and passing ships, all when they're in their greatest moment of peril and greatest danger. It was the lighthouse keeper's job to be there at all times. Being a lighthouse keeper was not a job for the faint of heart. Keepers lived in that lighthouse. They lived on the premises 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They were not able to call in sick, and rarely did they ever take a day off. Lighthouse keepers had to, to keep that, that light to the tower's lamp every night to make sure that it stayed lit and fully burning until the sun rose the next day. Although most light stations had more than one keeper, those that didn't require the lighthouse keeper to work all throughout the day and night, there were still some that that was their task. They lived in and they worked as a keeper. It was a lifestyle. Lighthouse keepers were responsible for taking care of the entire light station. If something broke, they fixed it. If the tower needed to be painted, they painted it. If a window was shattered, they were the ones to replace it. Lighthouse keepers were mechanics, construction workers, sailors, all rolled into one. They were highly skilled and dedicated men and women who had put, the, they'd put others before themselves. A lighthouse keeper had many duties assigned to them. Some of these duties had to be done every single day. Others were scheduled to be completed on a weekly, monthly, or yearly basis. No matter the date or time of day, a keeper always had something to do. They were always busy. Here's a typical schedule or a list of duties that a lighthouse keeper had to take care of. They had to light the lamp at sunset and put it out at sunrise. They had to fill the lamp with kerosene before every evening and sometimes several times they had to do this. They had to trim the wicks of the lamp so they, they, they didn't have any smoke when they lit it. They had to clean and polish the lens every single morning. They had to clean the windows of the lantern every single day. They had to shine all the brass in the lighthouse, sweep the floors and the stairs every single day. 
They had to clean the tower windows and seals as it was needed. They had to clean, paint, repair all the buildings that were on the light station when needed. They had to maintain all mechanical equipment at the light station. Maintaining a lighthouse logbook to record all the daily light station activities. They took weather readings every day and they recorded it in a logbook. They had to weed the walkways and maintain the light station grounds. They had to take surroundings of river and inlet channels. They had to move markers as needed. They had to lend assistance. They were the first responders that, led us, that, that, that lended assistance to ships and sailors that were distressed at their time of need. It didn't matter how brutal the weather was or the swell was. They had to risk their lives for those that were in trouble. They had to keep an accurate inventory of all light station equipment and fuel. Maintain light station boat. Keep it in good working order. They had to keep the boathouse clean, organized, and repair in good repair at all times. And even on top of all that, you better believe it, even 100 years ago, they had to provide visitors like myself a tour of the light station when requested. They had to clean uh, the, 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 the dwelling's chimney as it needed so that they could prevent fire. They were not allowed to leave the light station at any time under any circumstances without permission. They had to stay on their post. They had to clean the house on a regular basis and make repairs as needed. They had to make sure they kept the outhouse clean. And uh, this is definitely not a task any of us would ask for. But on top of all of this, they had to stack wood properly in the woodsheds. And then they had to maintain and keep their uniform clean at all times. But above all of the tasks of the lighthouse keeper, they had to keep that light burning with oil every single night. And the number one thing that stuck out to me at this lighthouse, as I walked up 220 steep steps, there was a, a, a oil bucket that was filled with cement to try and help you see just how hard that task would be. It was a 30-pound bucket which only held five gallons of, of kerosene oil. And it would slop all as you went. And so there's, there's definitely more weight than just the, 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 the weight there. Amen. As they moved, it would create more weight for them and it would weigh them down. But this lighthouse took 10 gallons. And so they had to go up. And they had to fill it with this five-gallon bucket. And they had to go back down for a second trip. Multiple times a day, they had to go up 220 steep steps. But these keepers had an understanding that if we do not keep this light lit, then we will endanger the lives of other sailors. We will endanger the lives of boats and ships. If we don't take our job to keep seriously, then we will be risking the lives of others. And they saw a mission beyond themselves, above and beyond themselves, that it was their job to keep. 
And church, I came to preach with a simple message, amen, that God has endued us with power from on high, that God has gifted us, amen, with fire from heaven. And it is our responsibility to keep that fire burning so that all the lost and hungry souls will know where they can find refuge. It is our responsibility. Well, preacher, I'm tired. It's still our responsibility to climb up a little higher so everyone else can see the light. Would you clap your hands under the Lord? It is our responsibility to be a keeper. And inside of that concept of being a keeper, I don't want you to just think that there's one task and one job only that is required of you and I. As keepers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we've got a lot more that goes into it. Uh, Sometimes being a keeper means cleaning the church toilets. Uh, Sometimes being a keeper means we got to keep the floors clean. Uh, Sometimes being a keeper means weeding uh, all of of the steps uh, that come into this building. Uh, Amen. Sometimes being a keeper, it's not a glamorous job. Amen. But it's something that we do and we do it with pride and we do it with responsibility because we know that people are going to see the light and they're going to see it because there were keepers in the house of the Lord. Amen. It was Adam's job to keep the garden. Genesis 2 and 15, the Bible says the Lord put him in the garden of Eden to dress the garden and to keep it. You will find a theme throughout the entire Bible that it takes a spiritual individual to be a keeper. Amen. It was a spiritual task to keep something, amen, in its proper place. The law of of thermodynamics, two of the laws is entropy and atrophy. And that basically means that if something is not maintained, it falls apart. Man, atrophy, if you don't work your muscles, they send men to space, men and women to space, and if they don't work their muscles, they begin to atrophy, and they lose their power. And so it is a law, amen, of life and of nature itself that if things are not maintained, uh, they begin to collapse and they run, amen, they go from order to disorder. Some people think that, that, that order is just the natural state of things, but anything you leave alone for too long, it does not go into order it goes into disorder I think that's why it's so important that we make our way to the house of the Lord week in and week out uh, because I have an understanding uh, I didn't matter how spiritual I think I am uh, on a Sunday I know that if I don't come back uh, and make some more adjustments uh, that my ordered life uh, will become chaos uh, in a short month Praise God. If I don't keep on top of this old flesh, it's going to go into chaos. It's going to go into disorder. But I've made it up in my mind. I'm going to be a keeper, and I'm going to make sure things stay in order. Praise God. Amen. God made Adam a keeper. Man, you'd say, why why would God give him a job that doesn't seem necessary? It's a garden. It seems to be perfect. But if you just look and you study the Bible, you will find that God planted a garden eastward in a place called Eden. I do not believe the whole world was a garden. 
If that were the case, then when God went about, amen, to curse the serpent and sent him out into the wilderness and cursed uh, curse the ground for man's sake and then sent man out of the garden, uh, amen, they went and they had to plow and they had to seal and it, it took more work. I believe that, 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 that the garden of God was meant to circumvent the globe. And if Adam would have continued working at it, if Adam would continue dressing and keeping that everything that God planted, it would expand and it would grow but Adam made a decision I'm no longer going to keep what God has called me to keep and now he's thrust out into a wilderness man I, I don't believe that this was all a paradise I believe that they were put in paradise but God was also letting Adam know if you don't keep this it's not going to stay paradise forever and I come to preach to somebody amen some people would say well when you get married is it paradise it is if you keep it Hallelujah. Amen. It's one of those things we all have to work at. What about our job? Well, amen, when you first got hired, you were excited, but you let some people get in your ear and start telling you about all the things they don't like, and now you hate your job. Uh, the truth is you didn't keep, uh, amen, that zeal that you had when you first got hired. Amen. Because everything in life, amen, God could put you in the best circumstance. God can put you in the best marriage. God can put you in the best church. God can put you in the best conditions. But if you and I don't keep it, it won't stay that way forever. And we'll start looking other ways and other directions. And we'll walk away from the very thing that God put us in and said, if you'll just keep it, it'll stay beautiful. If you'll just keep it, it'll stay good. If you'll just keep it, it'll keep on blessing. Oh, somebody Clap your hands unto the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. God gave Adam dominion and power, which seems like another thing that doesn't make sense when you look at it from a paradise standpoint. It's paradise. It's a garden. Everything's perfect. There's no fall. There's no, there's no, no, no seeming, uh, there's, there's no problems. There's no trouble in paradise. And yet God says, I see the need for my keeper to have dominion and power. Amen. You're going to have power over every beast of the field. You're going to have power over all, all, all herbs. And he says, I've given them all to you. Everything that you have, you're going to subdue it. You're going to have dominion over it. And, and this is the power that I'm giving to you so that you can then dress the garden and you can keep it. And my question is, why was there a serpent in the garden? At what point did Adam allow a crafty, amen, sneaky snake into the garden? I know a lot of people want to blame Eve for everything, but I got a question, Adam. Why weren't you keeping that garden clean so your wife didn't have to worry? I know we want to blame other people, and this is where the blame game started, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. But if we were to be honest, amen, there should have never been a conversation with that old serpent, the devil. If Adam would have been focused on his job to dress and to keep, there would have never been a fall of man. There would have never been the position that you and I are finding ourselves in now. If somebody would have said, Lord, you gave me dominion over every beast of the field, and that means that old snake the devil you gave me authority you gave me power and I'm not going to negate my responsibility I'm going to dress and I'm going to keep what God has blessed me with oh somebody worship the Lord all across this building hallelujah, hallelujah. somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify him 
Hallelujah. You got to take your responsibility as a keeper. You got to hold on to it. You got to know that God has given you that authority. God has given you that power. You got to take authority. You got to use authority. I, I can't speak for Adam, and, and I think we're all going to have a nice line when we get to heaven to shake him down. And uh, I might let the hood out when I meet him. But my question is, why, why was there a serpent in the garden? At what point, I know maybe that's too elementary for some theologians here today, but I, ever since I read the Bible, I started thinking to myself, why was there a snake there in the first place? Well, there's never been anything wrong, and there's never been any issues. And at the same time, Amen. It was Adam that named all of them. And the Bible itself says that the serpent was more subtle, more crafty than any beast of field which the Lord God had made. That was in Genesis 3 and 1. Which means Adam, when he named it, he goes, you're crafty. You're sneaky. He had enough sense, amen, to name every single animal, enough brain power. Huh, that when he came to that serpent, huh, he said, you're crafty. You're, you're, you're sneaky. Huh, and he saw it, but yet he did nothing about it. Huh. I want to tell you, church, God has, could give us all the greatest power and authority in all the world. And I believe he has. Huh, but if we don't do anything with it. If we don't use it, if we don't enact it, amen, that power means nothing. But God has given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and every, every wile of the devil. But we've got to take authority. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to mount up with wings like eagles. We've got to push forward into it and say, devil, your kingdom's coming down. I got the power. I got the authority. But I've got the guts to use it as well. Oh, somebody clap your hands and shout, hallelujah. you got to be willing to use that power. you got to be willing to use that Holy Ghost. you got to be willing to use that authority. You're a keeper of the garden of God. Adam, you have every bit of power. God will never put somebody in a position. God will never call somebody to a task that he does not first equip them for the task at hand. Moses. I want you to go and deliver Israel. And he goes, no, 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 no. You, you don't know. I, I've already tried that. I tried killing Egyptians one at a time. And he said, you don't get it, boy. I don't want you killing Egyptians one at a time. He said, I want you to take that staff that I put in your hand. And I want you to throw it down. And it becomes a serpent. Amen. That was a typology of that old serpent, the devil. He says, now take it back up. Amen. It's not enough just to say that you can throw it down and it becomes a serpent. But I want you to know that you got authority over that old serpent, the devil, you can pick it up. Second sign, I want you to take that hand that you have, non-leprous, and put it on the inside, a symbol of the internal man. And he said, I want you to put it in and pull it out. And when he did, his hand was as leprous as snow. He said, I'm giving you power as you put it back in. It came back out just fine. What is that a sign of? Moses, I've already empowered you. Amen. With power over the devil. I've given you power over everything. Every attack of the enemy but go on the internal I've given you power over sin it's a typology of Jesus he came that he might destroy the works of the devil and he took our sin and said don't worry I'm going to cover it I'm going to get rid of it and when you get the Holy Ghost amen that power is on you amen that power that convicts that power that tells you how to live righteous that power that tells you how to be a keeper you got power 
power. You got authority over every attack of the enemy. But you also got power over your own spirit. You also got power over your own sin nature through the blood of Jesus. All you got to do is enact that authority in the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands. Oh, let's love him. Come on, God will empower you. God will give you strength. Amen, but you got to use it. Adam, you're a keeper of the garden. I've empowered you. Moses, I'm sending you out to take care of my people and to deliver them. But I've given you power beforehand. It's a spiritual thing to be a keeper. It's not always a fun, glamorous thing, though. The Bible says that Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. God blessed Abraham and said, I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to bless you with kids. He said, because I know that he'll command his children and the household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord. When God looked for a man that he might use to raise up a nation, he looked for a keeper. 1 Samuel 17 and 20 and David arose up early in the morning, and he left the sheep with a keeper. Even when he was leaving the sheep, uh, he didn't leave the sheep without a keeper. Uh, even though he was about his father's business, uh, he made sure his home business uh, was never without a keeper. Uh, amen. Second Samuel chapter 22 and 22. Uh, David would proclaim uh, what was in his heart. Uh, I have kept the ways uh, of the Lord. Uh, I have not wickedly departed uh, from my God. Uh, when God looked for a new king, uh, he didn't look for the strapping men uh, that looked like Saul. Uh, he didn't look at all his elder brothers uh, that were off fighting in another king's battle. Uh, but when he looked for a king, uh, he said, I'm looking in the inward man. Uh, I'm looking at the heart. Uh, and he looked for a little shepherd boy uh, that was just keeping uh, his father's sheep. Uh, God was looking for somebody uh, that was a keeper. Uh, he was looking for somebody uh, that said, I won't leave this up to anybody else. Uh, amen. I'll make sure it's taken care of my Self. David kept the sheep when he left to do his father's business he made sure somebody kept the sheep and when it came time to be king he was making sure he was taking care of Israel as a keeper and God looked down from heaven and said I can use uh, somebody like that uh, I want to tell you where it came from uh, Psalms 121 and 5 uh, the Bible says as David begins to write these words uh, the Lord is thy keeper uh, the Lord is thy shade upon uh, thy right hand uh, David looked and he said uh, I, I understand something being a shepherd uh, I take care of these sheep uh, I keep them uh, I'm going to make sure uh, that there's no issues there. But I also know, as his most famed thing, the Lord is my shepherd. But just in case anybody misunderstands what that means, the Lord is your keeper. God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's a keeper. Church, God's calling us uh, to be spiritual keepers, uh, but I also want you to be encouraged uh, that God is your keeper. And when your foot uh, nigh well slipped, uh, the Lord will lift you up. Uh, the Lord will keep you uh, in the way which you go. Uh, God has enough power uh, to keep you. Uh, oh, somebody magnify the Lord. Come on, let's magnify him. Lift up your hands. 
I feel Jesus in this building. Some people, God is calling you to step up to your position and to your post. It might be difficult at times, but you got to keep the way of the Lord. You got to keep the work of the Lord. You got, but you also got to be encouraged that God is your keeper. God's your keeper. It's a spiritual thing to be a keeper. That's why the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Well, I just, I just have to sin. No, you don't. Now, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I believe in that. I believe that if we confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe absolutely that God can forgive and God will forgive. But I believe that there's a level above forgiveness. And that's God keeping you. And that's God saying, hey, hold on. You're about to step off that ledge. But let me speak a word over you. Let me send you a preacher. Let me speak a word into your mind. Amen. Let me give you a little encouragement. Amen. I want you to know that God is not only able to pick you up but God's also to keep you from falling God's a keeper hallelujah somebody magnify him it's a spiritual thing to be a keeper it's a God-like thing to be a keeper but you can look through your Bible you can find all of the most villainous people that we always like to preach about that we're not keepers the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9 and the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? What a terrible conversation to have with God. When God is asking you the state of your brother or sister. And you look back at God and say, it's not my responsibility. Hallelujah. It, is, it, is, it doesn't take much it doesn't take much for somebody, uh, amen, to look at their fellow brother and say, it doesn't matter to me whether they live or die. It doesn't matter. That doesn't take a whole lot. Uh, our whole world lives in the self-preservation uh, mindset. Uh, but people that are spiritual, it takes, uh, that's why the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, strengthen such an one in the spirit of meekness. Uh, in other words, it's spiritual to be a keeper of your brother and sister. You see somebody slipping, uh, you you got spiritual bones in your body uh, you gotta go and pick them up uh, those that have faults uh, those that have flaws uh, those that are messed up uh, if you want to be spiritual and I'm talking real spiritual you gotta be a keeper of your brother it doesn't take much for us to get the spirit of Cain uh, where we start killing our brother and we don't feel responsible Oh, I came to help somebody here today. I came to preach a word for you. I, I don't know who it's for, but it doesn't take a lot of spiritual uh, or a lack of spiritual things uh, for you to run your brother through with your sword of your tongue uh, and run them down left and right uh, and make sure there's nothing left of them to survive. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot. Uh, amen. When somebody strikes you uh, to strike back, uh, but there's something about the keeper. Uh, there's something about somebody that can keep their spirit. Uh, there's something about about the person that can keep themselves spiritual. That when somebody strikes them, they turn the other cheek. That when somebody does them wrong, they pray for them, which despitefully use them. Amen. They help those that are trying to hurt them. They give to those that are trying to steal from them. There's something about a keeper that's spiritual enough to say, I don't care what you're doing to me. I'm going to be the opposite to you. 
doesn't take much for somebody to become like Cain. That is the natural predisposition of our spirit to just turn into bitter, brother-hating individuals. But I want the church to know we're a keeper. Hallelujah. We're keepers. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray in the name of Jesus. There's a challenge here today in the Holy Ghost to say I'm going to be a keeper. I'm going to be my brother's keeper. I'm going to be my sister's keeper. I'm going to be watching out for those that are slipping. I'm going to be praying for those. Amen. I got my eyes on those. Amen. That maybe they've stumbled and they've fallen. I'm not going to pick up stones. I'm going to pick them up out of the miry clay. Doesn't take much to be like Cain. To not be a keeper. You want to know the biggest difference between Saul and David? First thing you ever notice about them when you read the Bible. The first image you have of David, he's keeping his father's sheep. It's the first image you ever have of him. Not that he's anointed, he's got all these great things. No, he's just keeping sheep. The first image you have of Saul, he's lost his father's donkeys. And he can't find them. And people want to go all the way down the fence. They want to go all the way down the line. And they want to say, well, Saul was bad because... But the truth is, what made Saul the way he was is the fact that when it came to something little in his mind, he didn't keep it. When it came to something that was below him, he didn't keep it. Amen. And the difference between being a David and a Saul is not these grandiose things. It's not always the Goliaths. It's not always the great wars that you get credit and, and applause for. But it's in the secret place that nobody seems to notice. And it doesn't seem to matter to anybody else. And there's nobody watching over you that you say, I will not lose what my father has entrusted to me. I will not let go. Amen. The Bible would say, of Saul that not only did he lose his father's donkeys but the Bible says he could not even keep the littlest of God's commandments because what he did in the natural not being a keeper it moved its way into the supernatural and he no longer felt responsible for keeping even the littlest of God's commandments but God's looking to raise up a David generation that says it may not be a grandiose job but I'm a keeper it may not get me a pat on the back but I'm a keeper it may not get me a whole lot of accolades but I'm a keeper and I'm going to keep the sheep and I'm going to keep the commandment of the Lord somebody stand all across the building lift up your hands let's pray in the name of Jesus God's raising up keepers God's raising up people that look at the word of God and say, I'm going to keep the word of God. He's looking for people that look at those that have fallen and made mistakes and say, don't worry, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to hold you up when you are falling. I'm going to pray for you when you are struggling. I'm a keeper. Somebody pray. Come on, you might have to march up those steps. They might get steep. They might get tiresome. You might feel weary, but you got to keep it. You got to keep that light burning like they did in the tabernacle, that the light should never go out. You got to keep that oil in there. You got to keep praying. Hallelujah. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
if we're not careful, we'll get in that mindset of Saul. I don't need to keep that. It's not that big of a deal. I don't need to be at church. I don't need to be at prayer. I don't. It doesn't really matter. It's a little thing. And we start letting that get a hold of us. And it starts affecting every area of our life. And now we just don't, we just let everything go. But the Bible says of David that he fought for the lamb. The one little lamb. Because he knew if I don't keep this one little lamb, that lion and bear is coming back for the next one. And the next one. And the next one. And it starts to snowball. And it becomes an, an, an issue. And, and, and this is really where it comes down to. Is if we don't get the attitude. And it's not to say that we don't. I believe there's a lot of people that do. But I'm trying to encourage somebody. Amen. To keep on keeping on. Never heard that? Keep on keeping on. Well, what's the answer? And people seem to think there's some grandiose answer. There's some like great mystic answer and, and the word of the Lord's going to come down from heaven and shake the mountain and shake everybody and, and the truth is sometimes the answer is just keep on keep well God what do I do now I need a direct word keep <laughs> having done all the stand keep standing and, and, and we could go across the room and, and pass the mic to several elders and, and there's going to be moments where they could tell you these great moves of God that came in. But if you were to ask them, what is the thing that made the difference in your life? Uh, amen. Why are you still here today? They would simply say, I just kept on kept, keeping on. I just, I just kept doing uh, what I was trained to do. Church. Greatness is found in keepers. Greatness is not found in the flesh in the pan. Greatness is not found in the person that just does one good thing. Amen. Once in their lifetime and they get credit and glory. No. Greatness is found. It doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. And somebody gets up and says, I choose today. I'm going to keep what God has given to me. You know the difference between wealthy people and, 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 and poor people? Aside from mindset? What they do with their money. <laughs> I know that was a simple answer. Somebody's waiting for this like revelatory. I've, I've done enough. I, I did banking for nine years. And I could sit down with somebody's account. And I could look at it. And I could tell you the direction somebody was headed just by looking at it. It was like Starbucks, 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 Netflix, this, that. And it was just it was going down. But there was this other individual, like a Warren Buffett. They were they had they had they had money going this way, and they were driving that old beater. But they didn't care, because they were like, "I'm gonna keep my money. It could break. I'll fix it. <laughs> I don't care what everybody else thinks about me. I'm gonna keep my money. I'm gonna keep. That's just that's just one mindset of of, of that of that factor. But the difference was the fact that they said that's mine uh, and it was entrusted to me and I'm gonna hold on to it. And I'm gonna keep it and I'm gonna put it in the right places so it can multiply and it can grow. Uh, can I preach to the church? Uh, God has given us so many precious promises that are worth more than gold. Uh, God has given us so many things uh, in the spirit. Uh, but sometimes the difference uh, between somebody who's poor and spirit and somebody who's walking in anointing and authority is not what God gave them at the beginning it's what they did with it they kept it and keeping it doesn't mean hiding it away they put it to the exchangers they got interest out of it they made something with it God commands us 
to take his word. He talked about the good ground. And he said, these are those that have kept the word of God. It's not enough to hear the preaching once in a while. Let me just say it this way. I've been preaching here for a minute, so let me just preach to somebody. When the word of God comes forth and God sends a man of God like Brother Poindexter, it's good to hear that word. But I want you to know there is a responsibility on every individual that heard that word. It's not the preacher's responsibility or the evangelist's responsibility to keep that word. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to say, I heard the word, I received the word, and now I'm going to keep the word. If God told you you're going to be blessed and you feel broke, you keep that word. If you feel sick but God said you're going to be healed, you hold that word and say, God said it, and I'm not letting go of it because I'm a keeper, I'm a keeper, I'm a keeper. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I'm done preaching. I'm done preaching. Somebody come and pray. 99% of the battle is, is keeping the words that God gives you, is holding on to it and getting a grip and saying, I will not let go of it. I will not let it decay. I will not let it fall apart. I will not let it fall into chaos and into disorder. I, God gave me this. He put me here to be a keeper, and I'm going to keep what God has entrusted to me. I want to open up this altar if you feel comfortable. I want you to come and pray. Find yourself a place. God's calling keepers. It's a lonely job. Not everybody does it, but you got to make it up in your mind. I'm a keeper. I'm a keeper. It might make you go to higher places. Amen. It might take you to lower lows. But when you make it up in your mind, I'm a keeper. And I will not let go of even the littlest that God has entrusted to me. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. God's given you words. God's given you promises. And you could say, well, God, it hasn't happened. And the question is, have you kept it? Have you held on to it? I want to encourage you to go back in your mind and grab a hold of those precious promises and say, I'll keep them. God's going to make a keeper out of me. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. It's a church of keepers. This is a church of keepers. I give you I keep every promise. I keep every word. I make sure the weeds get pulled out. I make sure all the rust gets chipped away and painted over. Make sure everything gets nailed in tight after the storm. I'm a keeper. To keep what he's already given to us. To 
keep on praying, to keep on fasting, to keep on loving God, to keep on loving one another. You gotta be a keeper. Keep it. You gotta keep focusing. Don't quit now. 